Go. Podcast. D and D. Uh. Yeah. Uh. Yeah. Yeah. No. Woo. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another edition of Make Believe Heroes, the actual play 5th edition Dungeons and Dragons adventure of your heart and mine. And mine. And mine. Come on, Jeremy, say and mine. Come on, Jeremy. Come on, say and mine. <laughs> say and mine. Thank you. I am Paul, your dungeon master. We're going to get right back into it, but before we do, why don't you all go around the table? Let's just jump into it. Tell me, who am I playing with tonight? Hey guys, this is Jeremy. I play Saul. I'm Jeffrey, and I play Kjorg. I'm Alan, <laughs> and I play Brackle, cousin of Jim. Roll this giant d20 and see if I can outdo that 12 I did last time. Good thing we didn't roll a single dice. Not last time. We didn't. <laughs> What is the sound of one dice rolling? Oh, this one is only a seven. Good. Good. Maybe my sister won't be kidnapped by a bunch of halflings. It's a good luck number, right? It's a number of good luck. So let's continue, shall we? Last time when we played, our group, sad, depressed even, confused, uncertain about their future, somewhat broken, traveled across the grassy lands towards some unknown destination, concerned over the loss of Misk, our fourth party member. And she was carried away by the hot feet and burdened to them by a blood contract. They met with Jim, the cousin of Brackle, and he led them to a strange base of humans, halflings that were training with weapons. They looked a little green and a little unsure, but they're preparing for something in this fenced-in area with these big 20-foot fences, farmhouse, like a nice-kept log cabin. And there they met Zahn, the mysterious figure with the paleo-marked rapier, who sent them on this quest. They entered inside the home to meet the owner of this farm and the house, an elderly man named John Verig. And then they encountered an elf, a somewhat pompous, perhaps, elf named Aranus. And Aranus began with the help of Zahn to give a little bit of an explanation of what exactly is going on here. And at that moment, Brianna Solarin, the princess, if you will, of Branchard, the very one that our group has been searching for from the beginning of this season, was there. It turns out this was all a ruse. A well-planned ruse to convince Braxton Tarek that there was nothing going on. But in fact, this group is working together as a resistance to bring Braxton Tarek down. And how exactly do they plan to accomplish that, Brackle asked. And Aranus, the high elven figure standing in the room, with a wave of his arm, said, It's simple. We're going to kill him. I've always been up for a good assassination. Well, this may be your chance. I'm sorry, what was your name again? I keep forgetting. <laughs> Funny, I, I don't know yours either, peasant. You can call me Sutsaris, though, Prince of the Nine Hells. Prince? Correct me if I'm wrong, Tiefling, but when, when a devil leaves the Nine Hells, does he not also leave behind his birthright? 
Saul uh, draws his wicked black dragon horn dagger mm. and stabs him in the heart and like kind of leans forward and are is it just chairs or is there a table well, there's a table but where you guys are there you're not no you're not by the table it's just open is there a sitting table Saul's just gonna you know sort of threaten just let him know that he's more than ready to stab him what constitute my birthright is still flowing through my veins and once I find a way to merge say with the nine hills why can't I keep my title? And what business is it of yours, peasant? I suggest that you return that knife back to its sheath. I can sheath it in your guts if you prefer. I won't stop him. I'd like to see you try. <laughs> um, if anybody doesn't stop him, Saul's going to try to stab this guy. <laughs> make me a uh, make me a wisdom saving throw, Saul. I thought it was a natural one, but it is not. It is a four on the dice. Also not great. And my, you said what kind of saving throw? A wisdom? Wisdom. Mm-hmm. I have no modifiers, so that's it. That's a fa- I mean, it's a failure. You're paralyzed. You think of lunging toward him in that moment. You're like, okay, fine. And you realize that you can't move. What's the problem, Tiefling? Are you having trouble? One of you is holding me back. That would be me. So I suggest that you put... Your blade, and at that moment, Zahn steps forward and puts a hand on your shoulder, Saul. Mm-hmm. That will be enough, Aranus. If you all could please quit being so hostile toward one another and release him now. Aranus stops for a minute. He looks at Zahn, and he turns around when he does. Saul, you feel your limbs release from their paralysis, and Zahn has his hand on your shoulder. Saul just uh, moves his hand to make sure that he's truly free mm-hmm. and thinks a minute about throwing a dagger into the guy's face. Yeah. We can save it for when there's not such delicate presence, huh? Oh, you don't have to settle down for me. <laughs> <laughs> Brianna says, I'm not so delicate. If you will, all this is, I don't want to take all the credit, but something had to be done. And so I reached out to Aranis, and I reached out to John, and it was around the same time that I met Zahn here, she says, motioning to him. We have to do something about Braxentaric. I'm not sure that killing him, she says, cutting her eyes toward the elf, is the answer, but something certainly has to be done. Well, I agree with the elf enough that killing him is a valid option. Perhaps we don't have to discuss that tonight. What's important is I, I do feel that the three of you need to know everything. Um, it's like I said, all of this has been staged. Zahn speaks up. When I initially approached the four of you there in Branchire, I saw something in each of you that I thought could add to this cause. And while I had my reservations, he says with a quick little glance at Saul, I believe that you have done just that. And you've suffered... You've suffered for it, and I know that. And we promised you gold, and gold we will pay you. But I hope that there is more to this for each of you than simply a payday. I think we can incite change in the world. Yes, yes, of course we can, says Aranis, stepping in. We are, after all, the Anorians, he says, kind of glancing around the room, looking for some validation. 
What's the Anorian? We don't even know what that means, Elf. I'm so glad that you asked. It means that we are those who, we serve the gods. The Anorians were actually... Did you say the Anorians? No. Yes. Are, do you, are, you, are you hard of hearing, Half-Orc? I said the Anorians. Ah. Uh, yes. Sometimes I have trouble hearing rudeness. <laughs> the Anorians... It really is something he struggles with. Also, you'll be hard of hearing once you lose those ears. <laughs> the Anorians were the... Well, it's an antiquated term that was used in ancient text to refer to the first servants of the gods after creation. So I, I chose it for our little resistance because we are hoping to... Well, like I said, we're hoping to incite change. Many things have happened over the last just... Two years in our land, in Manumi, and the goings-on at Branshaw are troubling indeed. Yeah, you seem to think pretty highly of yourself. Zahn sort of gives out a little. <laughs> Kjorg, how would you like to be known as one of the greatest heroes who ever lived? I am the greatest hero who ever lived. Yes, I know, the people's champion. But I mean to say, how would you like your name to be written down in the history books, Kjorg? It's already being written. Also, Kjorg cannot write. Um, I'm working on that one. <laughs> I mentioned, I believe, before, perhaps, just over a year ago, more or less, there was some cataclysmic event to the far west in the forests of Fallen Grove, the realm of the Wood Elves, the Forest Gnomes. The Canopy, it was the largest settlement of Druids in all of the world. And uh, unfortunately, there was a great battle some sort of enormous, terrifying creature tore the canopy apart. Many people lost their lives. Since that has happened, there seems to be a movement of darkness in the world. How do you mean, a movement of darkness? Agents of evil. Agents of evil are becoming more active. What? The hell's coming into the earth? John Varig, uh, the old man, the owner of the home and the farm who you all met earlier, he says, I don't know anything about any devils or hells, but I can tell you this, there's a lot more crooks and thieves. I mean, even just traveling between here, Barlin's Pass, the roads that have always just been pretty simple and easy to get on, uh, taking my livestock, you know, transporting it. There are, there are a lot more highwaymen, a lot more just general wickedness. Does that sound correct to you, Brackle? I've seen less than 100 deaths since I've been here, and I've seen this as... The most peaceful place I've ever been. Uh, yes, it's, uh, the, the hells are a different place, I assume, but this land has been relatively at peace until recently. And, of course, the hot feet, I mean, I know they are prevalent in places like Brightport, but in Branshire, that's unusual. Have any of you three ever been to Brightport? Never. That's a lie. Kjorg's been to Brightport. What? Don't play coy. You were there with Misk, my sister. Yes, I was the champion of that city. It's not a trick question I'm simply asking because, see, the thing about Brightport, it, it, it is the wealthiest city in the world, even wealthier than our own city, Vinthaven, by the sea. But it is, it is overrun with the hot feet. But they've been there for centuries, possibly. I couldn't really say exactly when they started. They've been there for a long time. They, they helped found the city with their monies and, and with their 
cleverness. But they've never been so nefarious. The city's been sort of codependent. I'm not excusing the way they've handled things, but they've never been one to just slaughter a man over a coin. But over the last year, they have become much more active. They are moving across the land, infiltrating other cities, trying to get a foothold, trying to spread their corruption. Word says that there were members of the Hot Feet that were there in the canopy when it fell. We believe perhaps they were connected in some way, that all of this is connected in some way. And you believe that? I don't know. It's possible. It's certainly the best theory that we have to work with. He's right. It's the best theory that we have to work with. We can't say exactly what's going on. But we know one thing for sure. Braxton Tarek is a liar and a crook. And he has to be stopped. So we stop him and then you help me find my sister. Yes. I believe we could possibly help you find your sister. That sounds like an excellent plan. If she can be helped. She will be helped. She will be helped. She entered into a blood contract. What? She entered into a blood contract. What's the problem? That is not good. Oftentimes, a blood contract is very, very simple. They're not complex. It's just that if she breaks the tenets of the contract, her life is forfeit. And she will immediately die. We'll have to read the contract then. Yes. If you hope to help her, you will have to obtain the written contract itself. But we'll cross that bridge when we come to it, as they say. It is getting late. You all seem to be in poor estate. You're covered in your own blood. What What sort of... You must rest. Yes, Brianna says, stepping up. I believe that the three of you deserve a good night's rest. You'll stay here in the house. We have room, right, John? He gives a little nod. There's a room upstairs. The three of you will have to share it, but we've prepared it with multiple bedrolls and cots. We expected there to be four, maybe even five of you, but... Rest tonight. It's your strength. Tomorrow, we'll discuss all of this and what we can do. And I'm sorry. I'm sorry about your sister. I, I didn't know her. I'm sure she's a wonderful person. And I'm sorry about all of this deception. I'm sorry for what you all have had to endure. But I am very, very thankful that you're here. You're welcome. Saul gives a slight bow and thank you for your kind words, my lady. Yes, we thank you and we will not fail you. I appreciate that. Why don't you all get some rest? And John stands up. He says, are the three of you hungry? We've got some leftovers over here. Uh, I, I'm, I don't know if that's good enough for a prince of hell, but we have some leftover chicken legs. I think you already maybe got a little taste of one. I assure you. It's not. I However, smack him in the face with another chicken leg. Saul dodges it like... <laughs> George, you idiot. Well, help yourself to the meat, the cheese bread, anything you'd like over there. We've got some water. You uh, have cheese bread? We, could fetch for you. we have cheese and bread. Uh, you all just make yourselves at home. I'll, I'll show you upstairs to your room. Is this elf staying in the same house? Yeah. Yeah, he is, but don't worry. He won't be bothering you. It reminds me of a tale that I recently heard about an elf. He thought he was better than everyone else. <laughs> and he was 
usually rude to his friends. And then he sacrificed himself for his friends. But he was a, a jerk. Where did you hear this story? And also dangerous. I fight for my friends. I haven't heard that one. It's just something I heard. You don't know where? Something the bards have been singing. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. You all like, I'll show you upstairs to your rooms. John gets up. He starts walking. Laura cries. He's walking. (laughs) He's dead. He can't cry. He starts walking toward the steps. You all follow after him? Uh, Yeah, carry some chicken legs with me. Saul gets some food and whatever there is to drink. Okay, I assume you all grab some uh, food, some drink, take it upstairs, and there is a small room. It's it's not anything grand, nothing like what you just stayed at in Sylvandale, but it's a quaint little room. There are five bedrolls on the floor, um, but you guys can clear it out, spread it out a little bit, make yourselves a little spot to get some rest. So it's like a good spot to get some rest. Great. Hopefully so. If y'all uh, find yourselves needing anything, just... Uh, just give me a holler. Be glad to help out any way I can. Yeehaw. <laughs> <laughs> he he just turns around and leaves. <laughs> Shuts the door behind him. What do you think, Brackle? Can we trust any of these people? Brianna's here and we can trust her. How do you know? Because she's Brianna, the lady of princess. Uh, I've known, have I not, do I know Brianna? Like, I know I know of her, but like, have we like hung out? She said she you said your name. I guess she would know that because it was on though. Yeah. And also I'm Brackle, so she's just a few years younger than you. You know her enough and you have the utmost respect for her and her family and especially knowing that she's fighting for Branchart. Like she's like a you know, like your liege. I know I can trust Brianna. She and her family have watched over Branchire for as long as I've been around. And she obviously cares enough to put her own neck on the line to go against Brax and Tarek. So that's it. We help them. Yeah. What do you think, Kjorg? I'm always in for a good fight. And that's it for Kjorg. Okay. <laughs> Saul's going to find a place to sleep. Okay. There are, like I said, there are a number of bedrolls on the floor. It's easy for you all to get pretty comfortable. A good night's sleep. Better than sleeping like out in the wilderness. Not as good as the last few nights where you slept. I take Saul's bedroll and make sure he doesn't have one and just sleep on top of all the bedrolls. Saul doesn't care. <laughs> Saul expects it. Idiot. Yeah, Saul, just, he just gets up and gives his bedroll to George. <laughs> he just throws <laughs> it to him and goes, idiot. <laughs> okay. You all sleep through the night. Click that long rest button. Which button's that? The one that says long rest. I clicked it. Now what do I do? Click it again. Uh, you got three seconds. Confirm. Confirm. Oh, oh I did it. <laughs> the night passes uneventfully. Yeah, it do. You all wake the next morning to the smell, sausage, and bacon cooking. Saul is immediately down the stairs. Brackle oversleeps. I'm just kidding. He come, he's awake before the smell appears. Mm-hmm. You all get up. Kjork, you go as well. Yes. You head downstairs. Ah, good. You're all awake. Uh, I'm working on some breakfast for everyone. You all like eggs? Country biscuits and gravy. I'm not exactly sure what you're referring to. Are they reptilian? Actually, yes. And he steps over beside, it's like a wood stove, you know, like a cast iron top wood stove. Beside, he's got this little table and he has a basket. And in it, there are these kind of big, like 
green eggs. Mm. Raptor eggs looks delicious. Cook them up. Yeah, um, I'd be surprised if any of you ever had these before. What is it? Well, they're a special type of egg. Uh, they're actually they're Drake eggs. Like the wrapper? So I'll pick one up and Nick's a little hole in it. You pick one up and uh, <laughs> you nickel a hole in it, and there's like this strange, thick, clear liquid inside of it. Saul drinks one. Ew. It's not good. It's gross. That tastes disgusting. Give me another. Oh, boy, you're not supposed to eat it like that. No, let me let me cook it up for you. Trust me. When I'm done with it, you'll want it. You'll go have a seat. Saul goes and has a seat at the head of the table. Okay. Y'all go have a seat. Uh, did the rest of you go sit down as well? I crack a bunch of eggs in a cup. <laughs> okay. Oh, hey, have you done this before? Yeah. You want to help me cook up these eggs? Cook them. This is protein. <laughs> Son, don't drink those eggs. I <laughs> just when he says that, I chug it. <laughs> oh, no. Uh, oh, goodness. How many eggs did you do? Like three? Two or three? Five. It's like a gallon. It's like a full <laughs> gallon of this stuff. <laughs> it's a huge bowl. You're slurping this raw egg juice down. He is just watching you with his mouth agape. And that's how Kjorg became sick for the rest of the season. Son, I'm, I'm not sure that's healthy. I'm not sure that's legal. The eagle eggs give me no no eagle powers. They give me no powers. They give me no nutrients. <laughs> <laughs> what did you say, Brackle? So I'm not sure that's legal. It's not. I'll tell you what, Kjorg. Uh, why don't you go have a seat, and I'll bring you some, some bacon and orange juice here in a minute. Oh, yeah. Mm, I could go for some bacon and orange juice right now. Me too, just just me too. You all go have a seat. You step through the swinging double doors into the large room where there's the dining area and the sitting room. And sitting at the table is Brianna <gasps> and Aronis. Aronis? Uh, good morning, Brackle. How are you? I am well. How are you? Quite well, quite well. Did you sleep well? I did. Excellent. I believe that John is preparing us some breakfast if you'd like to have a seat. I would. And Brackle seats sits. Seats. Ha. How are you, Brackle? I'm well. Have you ever eaten Drake eggs, Brackle? Ever? Probably not. No, milady, but I'm sure they are quite good. They, they're good. They have a little bit of a strange flavor, but it's not bad. You know, it's just different. We never ate any sort of reptilian meat in the first house growing up. Mm, I've had lizard eggs. They're kind of chewy. They don't have the really hard shell like fowl eggs. Mm. So I, I'm I'm curious to see how how these turn out. If they've got that ooey gooey, not ooey gooey. That's the inside. The outside is more please rubbery. Please brackle out. It's a little early. That sounds absolutely atrocious. They are disgusting. Is that how the Drake eggs are? <sighs> no, they're more like. Standard eggs, they just have a, somewhat of a greenish tint to them. Okay, I could handle that. Uh, what about the ham? Green eggs and ham? At, while you and Brianna <laughs> are having a conversation about green eggs and ham, uh, Arana says, Well, Satsaris, how are you this morning? Saul just looks at him like, All right, why are you talking to me? He just gives him a look like, Excuse you? I, I, I believe that we might have gotten off on the wrong foot. I... Uh, 
I, I, I'm a bit passionate about all of this, and I would, I would like for us to be able to work together. Together. In spite of... Do explain your passion. Maybe then we can. Why do you care? I care because it is right to care. I care because this is my world. I want to protect it. Surely you can understand that. Protect it. From what? Whatever it is that is trying to turn light into darkness. You're not even from Branshire, are you? No, I'm not. You're from... But I have known Brianna and her family for many years. I knew her great-grandfather. And where are you from? Venthaven. Venthaven. Yes. So, A, and he puts both fingers in the air and does the quotations thing, a highborn is here to help out this little town with no personal gain. I'm not sure what you mean. I just don't understand your logic. I don't understand why you'd be here. I, perhaps you have a misunderstanding about the way things work. Am I correct that you've only been on the natural plane for a few days now? A week, perhaps? You'd be correct. I've already begun to have a greater mastery than even the elves. You say highborn, but we are not <laughs> born any higher than any of the other people of Manumi. Interesting. I, what I know of the hells, I only know through reading. I would love to know more. Perhaps one day you could... Send you there? <laughs> Sorry. Can we please put away the hostilities for breakfast? Yo, he's always hostile, Your Honor. Good morning, Kjork. How are you? Sleep well? Always. About that time, the front door opens and Zahn comes stepping in. Ah, good morning, everyone. I see that you're all sitting down for breakfast. How's on? Brackle. Yes. How do you find the accommodations here? Is everything good? Are you all well? It's quite luxurious. I'm glad to hear that. Um, and as he says that, John comes walking in with a big tray full of eggs and sausages and bacon. The eggs and the bacon both have somewhat of a greenish tint to them. Brackle tackles him, begins devouring. It's Draken. Draken. <laughs> 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 Thank you. I get it. Uh, tuck in, everybody. There's plenty. If we run out, I'll, I've got some more I could fix up, but I think this should be plenty. Saul takes all the meat. He's already had enough eggs. You all eat some breakfast? Yes. Yeah, I do. Some Draken? Yes. <laughs> I love that. It's good. It is a little weird. It's not gamey per se. It's just I don't know, but it's it's good though. So how do you where do you cut the Drake to get the bacon? Brackle inquires. He's curious because he's never cleaned a Drake. Well, uh, actually, this uh, comes from the tail. Ooh, yeah, it's weird, isn't it? Yeah, you wouldn't think. You so you strip the tail. Mm-hmm. It's got two lean pieces of meat along each side, and you know you take that and you cure it just like you would bacon from a hog. Are there any uh, are there any drakes nearby? Is this from recent hunt, or did y'all uh, cure this and bring it along? These are from my livestock, son. Oh, you saw the like the fences coming in. Yes, I did. I thought I thought that was holding in the the buffalo or something. A livestock of Drake. Now that's my kind of person. It's unorthodox for sure, Wait. but you know it's a living. Can't they fly? No, son. They don't have wings. Did you cut off their wings? Did you clip them? They never had wings. They're just like big lizards. Later today, I'll take y'all around and you can see them if you'd like. 
There's plenty. Do they wrestle? If there's time, we're we're on a mission, so maybe after peace is returned to this land, I shall see your drakes, sir. All right. Well, for now, have some draken and enjoy it. Yum. You all eat your heart's content. There is orange juice because Aronis brought it with him. He loves it. Is it freshly squeezed? Nice. Yes, he brought the oranges. They squeezed it into juice. You all have eaten to your fill. Brianna excuses herself. Zahn turns to the three of you. Well, now that we have our bellies filled, if you'd like, I could show the three of you around the uh, around the farm, the, the base. I'd like to give you a picture, if I can, a, l- a little view of what exactly it is we're about, what we're doing. Let's take a look. All right, so you guys go with him? Yep. Yes. All right, you'll get up, you go outside, and with the sun bright outside, it's it's pretty early in the day. It's not sunrise, but it's, still, it's pretty early out. And uh, he begins to lead you around the farm. And like you saw last night, there are a series of like sections set up where people are training. Right now, there's not that many people out and about doing all the work and the training because it's so early in the morning. Everyone is still sort of getting prepared for the day, getting breakfast. And he turns and begins to lead you all directly toward this large wooden barn with the doors closed on the front. This is, uh, well, you know, it's it's not exactly an encampment. It's not perfect, but it works nicely for our our little resistance, if you will. The fact is, not many people come this way because of the drakes. People are afraid of them, you know. They're, they're somewhat intimidating creatures. I... <laughs> You'll find Jorg is not intimidated by anything. Nothing. Nothing. Not even a silver dragon. Not at all. Wait, is this Zahn saying this? It is. In fact, I just defeated one the other day. Yes. Saul, like, pulls his dagger and goes, You know, I just don't trust you. You know too much. You seem to know everything. Everything? I don't know everything. There's, trust me, Saul, there's plenty that I wish I did know. But I have seen many things, and I do make it my business to know the things that are of the most importance. And I've known Hope and Kel for a while. He revealed himself to me. He felt, apparently, that it was necessary to see if you all were worth all this trouble, as good as you say you are. I don't know. When do we get to test you? <laughs> I, I'm afraid I... Couldn't stand a test to the three of you. How about one of you? Perhaps, Georg. Perhaps. We'll see. And as you all are encroaching on the barn, he says, Just, if you would, I don't know if Hope and Kel instructed you to do so, but not everyone here knows that he is a silver dragon. One of the Dracon Kelly. Reasons why I take offense to you saying that openly. Only amongst the four of us. If you wouldn't mind to, please, let's let's keep his secret as long as he wants to keep it. Saul puts his dagger away. I still don't trust you. What about the other two? I put Saul's dagger away, too. I also put Saul's dagger away. <laughs> uh, no, I, I trust you, sir. You have Brianna's confidence in you, so you have mine. It's good to hear. Yeah. You all walk toward the barn. He steps up and he opens the door. And it's a decent sized barn. You know, it looks like it's plenty big to house probably 10 or 20 
horse stables, kind of. You know, it's a narrow barn like that. It's probably set up that way for bringing the drakes in and messing with them one-on-one. But when you open the door, it is much bigger on the inside. Oh. There are, you know, probably, just a quick glance, somewhere around 60 or 70, maybe 80 people in here. Wow. There are barracks lined along the walls. There are all of these bunks. People are lying on, resting. People are climbing down on these little ladders. There are tables set out in the middle. It's it's part mess hall, part uh, barracks for sleeping, part armory. There's all these weapons hanging in the back. I mean, this this barn has been turned into a sort of magical encampment. Now, that's my kind of magic. I have to say, Zon, your army's rather weak, though. Yes, well, we are working with a small number of people from Branshire and the surrounding villages and peoples who are willing to stick their necks out and who are willing to call corruption what it is. Branshire is a wonderful place, but we're somewhat naive from time to time about these sorts of things. Such is a luxury for those who have lived lives of peace. Peace is a great thing, but we must also be ready to defend that peace. And so I stride the countrysides. You're right, Brackle. Living a life of destitution so that I can be ready, a silent defender, a dark knight. And Saul cuts his throat. (laughs) And thus ends Brackle. No, you're right, Brackle. It's... It is a result of the many years of peace that the people of Manumi have enjoyed, and Branshire is probably the place that has enjoyed the most peace. But I'm afraid that that time is drawing to a close. I fear that we're entering into a new era, and I don't exactly know what awaits us. We're not going to take it in stride. We're going to stand for what is true and what's right. And as you all are standing there talking, a, uh, a short figure approaches. Oh, hello there, Zon. How are you this morning? Good to see you. Ah, hello, Doran. Good morning. It's a good morning. I had plenty of rest. Hope you're doing well. How, how go the preparations? This guy steps up. He's a short, stocky halfling with dark brown hair. He almost looks like he has a little bit of a dwarfish nature. He has like a short beard, but he's obviously a halfling. You know what I mean? He's got that round halfling face. Right. Uh, it was good. Uh, things are going well. You know, we're we're doing the best we can with who we've got and the, the time we've got. But uh, who are your friends here, he says, motioning to the three of you. We're not his friends. Oh, well, uh, okay. Uh, the name's Doran. Doran Barley. Nice to meet you. And he reaches a hand out towards you. The Barley Barrel. Saul gives a slight nod and says, I'm Sutsaris, peasant. Of what import are you? Uh, I am the captain of this uh, little contingent we've got of an army. I'm the one training these folks, trying to get them ready for what could be ahead of us. Ah, you're a captain. Yeah, you could say that. I used to be the uh, the head of security, if you will. Worked with the the guard in Branshire, especially over the the core around the first, second, third house. I was responsible for taking care of protecting the mayor, but. When Braxton Tarek took over, he gave me the boot. Kicked me to the curb, if you might. And uh, So now we're going to take care of the mayor. He brought in his own sort of brigand. So you're pretty tough. Yeah, maybe. A little. So who's running the, the barrel while you're here? Oh, <laughs> I think you got me a little confused there. Uh, what's your name? You look familiar. Brackle. Brackle. I think I've seen you around. 
You're from Branshaw? You could say that. Huh. Well, that's my brother, Boren. Boren. Yeah. My twin brother. Isn't he a dwarf? He's a halfling. Aren't you a halfling? <laughs> that's right, Brackle. We're, we're both halflings. Uh, he, he takes care of the business, yeah. Okay. See, he and I go way back, but somehow I still thought that you were him. Well, like I said, we are twins. That makes sense. Well, Doran, I have some things to take care of. Uh, plenty to see and oversee. Why don't you give them a tour? Show them what we're doing, how we're trying to teach these soldiers. Uh, I'd be amenable to that if you three are okay with it. Let's do it. All right. So Zahn takes his leave, and Doran gestures toward the front door, and he takes you outside. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Make Believe Heroes. I'm sure you're all ready to get back into the story, but we do need just a moment to cover some news with MBH. First of all, I would like to thank everyone who has sent us questions for Felicia's upcoming Behind the Players episode. We have a ton of questions. We're going to try and get through as many of those as we can for that very special episode, which will be coming your way hopefully sometime in the next week or two. So stay tuned for that. Speaking of those questions, we promised you free dice and we have you free dice from DiceEnvy.com, the website that offers you not only the best selection in acrylic, metal, and occasionally even wooden dice, but they also offer an awesome dice subscription service that you can subscribe to starting at just $5 a month. So if you haven't gone to DiceEnvy.com and checked out one of their subscriptions or bought some of their beautiful dice, then you should do so now. And you should use the code HEROES to get 10% off of your purchase. But back to those free dice, we have these white and gold dice that we are giving away to one of our listeners. One of you great listeners, you fantastic, wonderful listeners that sent us a question for Felicia's Behind the Player episode. And we have a winner. Would you like to know who it is? The winner of these dice from DiceEnvy.com is Henry Stouch. Congratulations on your new dice. I'll be in touch very soon to get your shipping address, and we will get these out to you post-haste. Thanks again to everyone that sent us a question. Thank you all so much for all that you do to support the show, for leaving us five-star reviews on iTunes, following us on Twitter or on Facebook at MBH Podcast or Facebook.com slash MBH Podcast for going to our website and signing up for our emails. And remember, if you haven't done that, if you haven't signed up for our mailing list, you should do so because very soon we're going to be sending out some stuff asking for your opinions on what we should do with potential merchandise, possibly doing a Patreon, and so on and so forth. So stay tuned for that. So make sure that you get signed up for our emails if you want to be involved in that decision-making process. We should also give a big shout-out to BattleBards.com. They make some beautiful soundtracks, music, sound effects, awesome effects that you can use at your table to really take your gaming to the next level. If you'd like to go try them out, then you should use the code MBHPODCAST to get 15% off of your BattleBards Prime subscription. So before we hop right back into the action, let me just take a quick moment and read you one of our five-star reviews this week. This comes from Mimir Azriel, entitled, I Love It. By the way, that's a cool name. I wish my name was that. 
This podcast is amazing. I love it so much. I'm listening to episode 13 of season one right now. This podcast is funny, intense, and awesome all at once. All D&D fans should listen to this podcast. And that was written back on January 22nd. Thank you so much for that awesome review. Thank you for the enthusiasm. Sometimes we are funny. Sometimes we are intense. And I hope that we are as awesome as you say we are. And thank you all so much, each and every one of you that's left us a five-star review. It goes a long way toward helping the episode, and we can never really thank you enough. So if you haven't left us one yet and you want to help out the show, then that is one of the best ways you can do so. Just leave us that five-star review and tell a friend, and we will love you for it. So that's enough from me for now. Let's get back to the base and see just what exactly is going on around here. You guys go outside. He's showing you, you know, basically the way they've got it laid out. They've got a section over here where they're working on archery. Those who they think would be best suited to working with a bow. They've got those over here that are best suited to working with sword and shield. Those over here that are more suited for like a spear or some sort of a two-handed weapon. Uh, And he's just sort of showing you how they're breaking it down and trying to get everyone sorted into where they could use their skills the best. Well, you're doing a particularly terrible job with your swordsman. Oh, you think so? I know so. I was a general of legions. Here. He doesn't know anything about Manumi. I'll tell you what, uh, why don't you show me what you can do? I'll show you what I can do. Saul's going to walk over towards where the swordsmen are working mm-hmm. and draw a sword out of the, the pile of equipment there. Sure. He's going to look at three or four of them and sit six or seven back down and pick up another one and go, mm-hmm. well, the balance on these is are all terrible. But I will take this one, and would you like me to show your troops some practice regimens, or is there a duel to be had? Uh, let's have a duel. Mm-hmm. Give me a swordsman. You've got one, and he draws a short sword from his hip. Oh! Uh, Saul immediately attacks him. Oh my Okay, God. roll me an attack roll. Mm. Rackle starts singing, let's get down to business to defeat the Braxton. That is a natural 20. Oh, very good. So you go rushing toward him, and you deal him 2d6 plus your dex, which is? Uh, My dex is a plus three, and I got five on the dice total. Okay, you come up at him, and you actually slash across his chest, which he is armored. Uh, And are you going for, like, the kill here? Are you just going straight in? I'm just making sure he knows that I could kill him. Like I don't okay. I don't wanna like behead him, but No no no. But you deal him some damage. Like he was expecting you to basically be nothing. You know what I'm saying? And instead you bring a pretty good slash across his chest and he says, Well, I was not expecting that. Let's see what you can do. And he comes in at you. And the two of you we're not going to do an actual fight here. The two of you spar back and forth. And he is not trying to hit you as much as he is trying to measure how good you are at dodging. Why don't you roll me a d20, and we'll call this acrobatics. I got a four on the dice. That's a poop roll. Plus five is nine. Okay. Uh, Roll me two more. That one's a 19 plus four, so 23. And that is a 16 plus four, so 20. Okay, so he comes at you, and at first you're you're a little taken aback. You haven't really been using a sword much, but then you fall back into the swing of it, and before long he's pretty impressed with the way that you can handle it. 
You know, you are pretty good with a sword. You're right. We could use your expertise. Would you be interested in teaching some of these greenhorns how to use a sword? I got you. <laughs> okay. He sets you up over there with uh, one of his lieutenants, and they just give you control, let you just teach these young men and women how they are to properly wield a sword. Fjord. Aha. Uh-huh. So what do you think? You think you could help us out? You look like the sort of guy who knows his way around a weapon. Yes, I'm the strongest of all fighters. Hmm. Why don't you show me what you can do? I will show you what I can do. Okay. You draw what? My mace. Okay. You're going to make an attack on him? Yes. All right. Roll it. That is an 11. 11 total? Yeah. Is a, it's a miss. You hit him, but he deflects it. Mm, come on, Kjorg. You can do a little better than that, surely. I get angry. Okay. Roll it again. That's a nine. Total? Total. You come at him again, and again he parries it off. Hmm. Come on. Is that really the best you've got? I whisper in Brackle's ear. Brackle. Yes? I bet you a gold piece that he lands the next one. I don't bet, but I would take that bet if I were a better. <laughs> you go at him again? That's another four. Okay. <laughs> you need to retire you- those dice. What is happening? You come at him again, and this time he sidesteps the swing. He loops his sword around your ankle, and he like does a little roll and a pull, and your feet fly out from under you, and you smack the ground. Amazing. I imagine Kjorg is pretty ticked off. He is very... Very upset. Doran steps over, and he reaches a hand down to you. Help you up. Before he reaches his hand down, I try to trip him. Okay. With the leg sweep. Okay. Roll it. Sweep the leg. What do I add? We'll just do strength. Um, it's 12 on the dice. Okay, so 15. That's uh, that's not quite enough. Mm. So you grab his leg, and, and you do grab his leg, but he catches before you can actually like totally sweep the leg. And instead, he reaches down, he grabs your arms, he pushes them towards your chest. And he's a lot stronger than he looks. And he gets down, he says, Jorg... I think you're better than this. Your head doesn't seem to be in it. Or maybe it's your heart. Can't tell. Whatever it is that's that's got you so tore up, that's got you so held up, you need to you need to let that go, son. That anger is just gonna eat you up. Let it go. Why don't you come over here and uh help some of our men with these two handed weapons? Okay. So he takes you over there, and they've got some guys working with pikes, great swords, big two-handed weaponry, you know, big strong men that are capable of handling heavy weapons, mostly. Um, and they take you over there, and, and he sort of sets you to work. Brackle, I don't think I really need to see a whole lot from you. I can tell from that bow on your back. You're probably pretty skilled, aren't you, with a bow? Brackle just nods. Here, why don't you show some of our guys and girls what you can do? So I'll go over there and show them what I've got. Okay. So you all set through the day to working, and you are training. You're training some of these soldiers, some of these men and women who have cast their lot in with this resistance. And you do a good job. I won't make you roll for it. The three of you are experts in your field, or at least you're becoming experts in your field. 
And so you do a really good job of teaching some of those skills which you are particularly adept. Like Saul, you do a good job of showing them how to, you know, sneak up from behind and strike a critical hit, you know, a sneak attack, if you will. Kjorg, you exhibit ferocity in battle and how to basically push back your opponent and to overcome them, not just with the weapons, but mentally through sheer strength and ferocity. And Brackle, you show precision. You show mercilessness. <laughs> and you show the intelligence of finding a good vantage point and taking cover at the right time. I say at one point, you've got to hate your enemy. But a cool hatred, not a fiery hatred. You need to be willing to end their life. Mercy is an admirable quality, but on the battlefield it will get you killed. They look scared when you say that. Yeah. You definitely hear Saul more than once be like, a swordsman strikes true, but brute force is not always the greatest way to victory. Yes, it is. You hear in the distance. (laughs) Sometimes you have to step behind their blow and stab them in the back. What does Kjorg say to his guys and girls? Just hit them. (laughs) Hard. Just hit them until they stop moving. Just beat them over the head with the closest thing you find. Kick them in the groin. (laughs) Okay. The day goes on, and it passes into the night. You all have breaks, and, you know, you eat lunch. and Well, you eat lunch, and it's it's coming now toward the end of the day. Everyone is tiring out. Everyone's settling down, and it comes to supper time. And as it does, you all head toward the house where you have supper. And Aronis isn't present. He is off performing some business. Zahn is there, Brianna and John Varig, and the three of you, and Doran, actually, also. Doran is sitting there with you all for dinner tonight as well, and he is talking to you all about how the day went and complimenting you on some of the things that he saw. And, uh, Kjorg, you're feeling a lot better now as the day's gone on. You know, you've had a chance to really show your strength off, and uh, you're just you're chatting and talking. And as you're all having dinner, the door busts open, and a young woman comes running in. And she's dressed in uh, what looked like some sort of dark, leathery clothes, like she's been trying to conceal herself. She is panting and sweating. She says, Sir, I, 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 have, I have news to report. And uh, Doran stands up. He says, Yes, yes, yes. Luann, tell me, what is it? What's happened? There, <clears throat> there we have report that uh, there's a small caravan of Braxentarek's own men that are going to be coming on the road to the north. They're heading for Branshire. We don't know what their cargo is, but we know that Braxen has summoned them, and uh, they're coming tonight. I see. Well, that is interesting. And Zahn surveys the room. He looks at you all. He says, Doran, why don't we send these three? I think that's an excellent idea, Saul says over his shoulder. Yes. Do you want us to take them out? Bring prisoners? How do you want us to handle this? I can't say. If they attack you and you have to defend yourselves, you do what you think is best, but we need you to stop them. Odds are, if they're working for Braxentarek, they're of the worst sort. Everyone that we've encountered so far has been some sort of brigand or crook, and uh, we've lost a few good people trying to encounter them. But I believe the three of you can probably handle yourselves. We can tell you exactly where to go. Go set up now. You can make it there before the sun sets. Wait for them and uh, have a little ambush. If you need to fight them, fight them. If you need to kill them, kill them. Whatever you need to do, I'll leave it to your discretion. They need to be stopped, and we need to know what it is that Braxton is planning, what he's having transported to Branshire this close to the end of the festival. Sounds like an excellent plan to me. Let's get to it. 
Yeah. Horses, point us in the right direction. Do you have any enhanced horses? <laughs> uh, no, sorry, Kjorg. You'll have to just take the standard issue, but I think they'll suffice. I recommend that you all not leave them close to the side of the road, though. Doran, you want to take them and get them suited up? Yes, sir. He stands up from the table, and he leads you all out across the field to the barn. They equip you all with horses, give you a short little map showing you exactly where to go. Brackle, it's very easy for you to navigate it. You've never been exactly to this area, but you know the area well enough, and you obviously have a perfect compass to get you to exactly where you need to be. And you all set out into the night, into the evening? Yes. Yeah, let's go. Yes. You all make your way north. You travel for a couple hours or so. It's not a difficult journey. You know, you make your way, and based on a few of the visual cues and the landmarks that they told you about and give you on the map, you believe, Brackle, that you're getting pretty close to the road, that you all should probably stow away the horses. So you all do that, right? You stop and tie off the horses. Yeah. You tie off the horses about a half a mile from the road. This is where you all... uh, you're coming up on a spot where there is forestry. It's kind of like a very large copse of trees, patch of woods, if you will. And you all come up on it and you've tied your horses off at the southern tip of the woods. And you all travel through and you come to a point where these woods come together and pinch the road. Does that make sense? Yep. Yes. Brackle jumps up off his horse and pinches the road with his fingers. <laughs> well, you left your horse at the beginning of the forest, but you get down and pinch the road. Okay, you all come to the road, and Brock, will you believe this is exactly where uh, they were telling you to go? I think this is exactly where they were telling us to go. <laughs> that sounds exactly what the dungeon master just said. I say we set our ambush. Perhaps <laughs> you want to climb a tree, Brackle, Kjorg, take one side of the road, I'll take another, hide in the bushes, no, or maybe... I'll stand in the middle of the road and wait for them. Of course you will. Brackle climbs a tree. I think that's a great idea. It didn't work out too well with the hot feet, but these people aren't going to see us coming. All right. You all set up your ambush, Kjorg on one side or maybe in the middle of the road. I don't know. Brackle in the trees, Saul hiding. And as the sun is setting, you wait. And that is, I think, where we're going to end this episode tonight. What? We're going to have to wait that long to figure out what happens next? A whole week, at least for the listeners. I just, I just don't think I can wait that long. I'll, I'll never know what happens. This has been Make Believe Heroes. Thank you guys so much for listening. We hope that you enjoyed it. We look forward to next week and seeing just what's up with this strange caravan, this caravan of Braxton. What does he have planned? What is he having transported to Branchyar? And what will happen when they come in contact with our party? Probably a lot of death. Who can say? <laughs> on either side. We love you. We love you. We'll see you next week. Peace. Bye. Goodbye. Hasta la pasta. Hasta la pasta.